Hi, welcome back. AT here. Thank you for tuning in to Ludus. Today I'm talking to Luke Baden. Luke is a master trainer at the world-renowned gym Third Space. He's also a strong first elite coach and CrossFit level two. He is also by far one of the coolest guys I know. And I think if you take in even half of what Luke puts out during this chat, you'll be well on your way to optimizing both your training and your journey as a coach. So um, let's get stuck in. Hello, and welcome to Ludus, where we're in search of the philosophies, principles, and practices of the miraculously successful. Here we will endeavor to identify, unpack, and discuss the actions, habits, and ethos of fiercely successful human beings in an attempt to create clear, actionable advice for you to implement and experiment with on your own journey of self-improvement. You can begin to feel your own existence as absolutely fundamental. You got a dream, you got to protect it. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Better, stronger, faster. Hi, Luke. How are you getting on, mate? Good, fella. How are you? Sun's out. Feeling good. How are yes, you? yes. I'm glad it's. Uh, I'm glad it's made a a return. It was looking like we were gonna be a bit miserable for a bit there. Um, I will say this. I think this lockdown would be a little bit different if it was happening in October. People's reactions might be a little bit different. <laughs> would have would have been a bit easier, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All of the uh, you can get out for an hour a day of exercise might not have been received so well. <laughs> yeah it wasn't like 25 degrees when they were saying it yeah okay so um look let's just get stuck straight in cool first we want to talk to you about is um your philosophy on training so kind of what's your overarching approach and mindset to training is there is there something about your practice that you kind of think's unique your approach um kind of how i think everyone's approach is unique but What's your philosophy in particular? Um, I think this comes down to um, the balance between being a pragmatist and being, being a purist. Um, and I'm someone who builds, I build myself as, as an ultimate pragmatist. Um, so I like to learn a lot. I like to go out there, especially in the fitness industry. I like to learn, 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 learn just take what I need from that rather than I think there's a lot of like people uncover something. It's awesome to learn something that it makes sense to them. So then suddenly they have to kind of be assimilated into that dogma, whatever it is, you know, powerlifting or CrossFit or, or, or whatever. Um, and then that's it. They have to hold rigid to that line uh, and kind of, they have to take all the negatives of, of that, those protocols or whatever comes with that training system and they have to feel like they have to defend it uh, because of the journey that they've had which has been overwhelmingly positive whereas me personally I'm like you know I went off and did my CrossFit level one level two and I'm like I really like these bits so I'm going to keep them um, I'm not sure about those bits and um, I'll ask a few pertinent maybe a bit annoying questions on the workshop and if you can't answer it then i'm just gonna i'm not gonna disregard the whole format but i'm just gonna disregard those bits uh, same with um I, i've done um multiple strong first uh qualifications which is a kind of a gold standard kettlebell qualification and even there you know you, you'll see on my instagram bio is like elite 
strong first instructor, which is something I'm very proud of. But there are certain things that come up during the workshops where I kind of like, hmm, I'm not sure that they know the science behind that. It's kind of a bit anecdotal. And if they say it's anecdotal, then I'll be like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll give it a go. But if you sort of pass it off as science, but you can't really tell me, you know, where's the literature on that, then maybe I'll just not keep that bit. But it doesn't mean I have to dismiss everything. So I think my, uh, as you asked to, to come back to it is, you know, you've got tools in a toolbox and you bring out a tool when you need it and you put it back when you don't. You don't have to kind of belong and become that tool. You just pick it up when you need it and you put it down when you don't need it. You find something better, you know, you pick that up and you use that. You don't have to get sentimental about what you used in the past. So that really helps me um, in terms of this so, sort of hypocrisy and being a bit of a hypocrite, hypocrite is something I can't really abide in myself and in other people. And I think what happens when you, when you get assimilated by a certain dogma is that suddenly something changes, uh, a global pandemic, for instance, uh, and the world's turned on its head. And then it's, you have to be very, a very, very strong, you know, single-minded person to stick to your guns. Um, and a lot of people don't. And then you kind of, you do end up looking a bit silly when you like, you know, for a year you've gone, yeah, burpees suck, burpees are stupid. Oh, people doing burpees are stupid. You need landmine presses. Oh, no one can get access to a gym. Give it a few weeks and suddenly you're posting, you know, body weight hit workouts or whatever. So I think personally, if you're an ultimate pragmatist and you, you, you say that, you know, I say that in meetings and, and in arguments I've had at, at my work and stuff is that, you know, if you pick something up and it uses it, I'll use it. If I pick it up and it doesn't work, I'm not going to use it. No matter what affections we have for that thing, you know, everything needs to be useful. Otherwise, there's no point carrying it, I would yeah. say. Right. It's, uh, it's interesting, the anecdote you used there about the tools in the toolbox. And I think the people who get too bogged down in a dogma and too consumed in kind of identifying with their, whatever their practice is, is that eventually they've only got one tool. And there's a saying that everything, yeah. everything looks like a nail to a hammer. And, you know, in a way that's fine when it's, it's just you, if it's just you, if you're just the power lifter, then that's yeah. absolutely fantastic. But when you buy into that identity so much as a professional, and everything, as we say, is a nail to a hammer. Eventually, you're going to do some damage. You're, you know, yeah. there's very much the risk of that. Be that to a client or your ego, um, then yeah. And it's, it's interesting the point you brought up as well. Um, you know, just to, just to date this recording a little bit. Obviously, we're, we're during the COVID nineteen lockdown, and the people before who were very dismissive of. Um, quote unquote hit workouts and um body weight workouts and any in yeah. some in you know in some ways any sort of kind of cross training anything that doesn't fit their mold uh, yeah. they're they're kind of the people now who don't have the depth of experience to be helping or be you know whether that be producing content or whether that be helping their clients because they're as you say they're so quick to discount anything that doesn't fit their their mold yeah they they then only see the, the surface and it is easy to look and see kind of the crap floating around sure but if you've never bothered to delve 
and look for some some substance in that then all you're going to be left with is kind of understanding the stuff you've been knocking for however long which is incredibly detrimental and like you say you, you take what's useful disregard what isn't but you don't lose it as such do you because you know what yeah. works for you no, and, and that's a really good point i think you're c- coming around to something that i would say is that there's you know there's multiple routes to the same destination you know so it's like sometimes they're not optimum but sometimes it's nice to take the scenic route because you might learn something else do you know what i mean to get strong there's multiple routes to that you know there's you know like i said i've done the strong first stuff but also there's powerlifting there's assisted raw powerlifting. there's millions of different routes to strong and just because you think one is optimum doesn't mean that you just have to like reject everything else it can be like sometimes it's nice to take the scenic route and do do it another way because they all lead to the same destination and they wouldn't exist and people wouldn't know about them if they didn't work as well this is kind of a thing of like you want to get strong powerlifting works that's why it still exists and we know what it is you know you want to get strong uh, and move quickly kettlebells works that's why they're still here people making them making a business out of selling them it's like there's multiple routes to the same same destination and that's okay and just because you think one is optimum doesn't mean that you just need to burn all the others you can chop and change if you want to yeah yeah of course when you when you need to when a global pandemic exactly exactly you need having those tools in your toolbox is um it's never you know it's a metaphorical toolbox so it's not going to get too heavy is it you can you can carry those tools for as long as you like and then especially as a professional you're going to come up against occasionally um a client who one of those tools is actually apt for and if you're the person who spends their entire life knocking intermittent fasting for instance the first time you get a client that says i just don't like to eat in the morning what are you going to do you're going to force a square peg for a round hole or are you going to empathize and listen and go well actually here's this other technique that sounds like it might be fantastic for you and still work within the framework of of my belief um so in terms of where you're at now so you, you you've spent obviously years and years and years as a pragmatist and um yeah you know, you've clocked up thousands of hours of your own training and and training others and training a group setting which i would argue kind of multiplies the the amount of people the amount of um, experience you've got simply because you have to make it work for so many people what yeah. are the kind of principles that you're 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 at at the moment that you're working with in your own training and where it's kind of applicable in your, in the training you're doing with people that you're finding to be most effective for you, for your goals at the moment. My, um, um, one of my sort of principles is that you, you tr- training is, is a practice. And that's a, that's a big thing for me is if you can understand it in terms of a practice, then we suddenly start to see that sometimes all we need is, more practice um so of course you want your 45 minutes 60 minutes sweat session burn calories moving around jumping around whatever you have that but you it's also part of a bigger practice um, and if you can start to see that then suddenly you start to see that a lot of strength or, or a lot of movement is actually just down to having more practice um, and it's okay to practice outside of your 
training session that day or that week. Um, so a big sort of principle for me is, is getting people to um, outside of their actual training to practice technique um, either low load compared to what they're used to or no load. Uh, and I think some of the stuff you've seen, seen with me putting on Instagram is actually breaking movements down, reverse engineering those movements. Let's, you know, let's look at a devil's press. Okay. Your technique can always be better. It can all like your technique can always benefit from work. Let's reverse engineer that. Let's break it into its pieces. Let's practice each piece outside of your own your, your regular training. So you're not worried about oh I'm not sweating while I'm doing this or I'm not out of breath or you know I, 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 it's not really heavy so I'm not going to get any stronger. Um, let's break it down. Let's practice the parts. Let's put the parts back together slowly or maybe quick if you're doing really well and then let's chain it together and then let's practice it with a low load and make it look amazing because if you can make it look amazing with the 10 kilo dumbbells guess what how it looks like with the 22.5s when you're doing a crossfit competition or whatever is going to look pretty good as well because you're going to it's going to translate so big principle for me is that you can practice this stuff outside of your actual training session and that will really benefit your actual training um in strong first we have the six foundational movements of kettlebells and when you go when you go to um do your to, to become a certified instructor it's kind of a harrowing three-day event that, that culminates in um a conditioning test which we'll probably talk about at some point but also technique tests and do you know what there's nothing better for your technique than knowing that you're going to have to step up in in a silent crossfit box completely silent crossfit box with a judge facing you with a clipboard and you're going to have to get up you're going to have to do 10 single arm swings on your right hand park the bell with composure set up properly and do 10 swings on the left hand Within that three days, your technique goes from, yes, it's a pretty good technique to like, this is now like laser focus, almost like the equivalent of, you know, in karate when they do a kata and every movement is kind of measured, yeah. uh, th that kind of stuff that actually builds capacity way more than people think dialing in on the technique outside of your actual training builds capacity way, way more than people think. And that's a big principle for me. Would you say that that kind of, uh, to quote Pavel, that kind of grease in the groove training, would you say yeah, that's yeah, something yeah. that's massively missing from, uh, from a lot of yeah. people's training? 100%. I mean, uh, grease in the groove, grease in the groove is a little bit more, um, it, it's very similar to, to the, 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 some, my take on that. Grease in the groove, you know, is, is multiple sets in a day that are, that are sub-maximal. Um, and... It, it works, especially for things like pull-ups and stuff. Um, but in terms of kettlebells and dumbbells and, and, and barbells, I'm not really a barbell guy, but as I understand from barbells, there's actually there's so much more benefit to cycling those things at a low weight mindfully. Like you're not thinking about the destination. When we exercise normally, we're thinking about the destination, like how fast can we finish from, you know, how much of a hole can we put ourselves into? How quickly can we transition from the air bike to, to whatever? Um, or like, when will this 20 second to be done or, or whatever? Um, but 
practicing cycling stuff at a light weight and not thinking about the destination, which is I need to practice cycling this for 10 rounds because my program says, says so, but rather getting in there and, and, and mindfully being in your body and, and observing, filming, filming yourself is also good. Not so much the mirror, because obviously we know now how much mirrors can actually put you off when you're trying to actually look at yourself at the same time as do the movement. But yeah, I, I would say this kind of takes Grease the Groove just a little bit further where the Grease the Groove is quite regimented and, and we're looking to elicit that kind of like strength effect. This is more just like if you can make what you're doing with the ke- in my instance, the kettlebell, if you can make that look amazing, like with a 16 kilo, like to the point where you, you're doing simple complexes, but people like kind of like, it's almost like a bit of poetry to them as they walk past. Then when you get on the 32s, you, you're really going to benefit from, from that movement, that, that the efficiency of movement, you know, and, and of course there's going to be that grease the groove effect in there as well on the nervous system. Um, yeah. I don't know if I answered your question then. Oh, no, 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 per- no, perfectly, perfectly. I liked that. I liked the distinction there. And that actually, as you're, as you're explaining yeah. it, it made sense to me in that Grease the Groove is probably more of a, of a training tool where you, what you're talking about is a, is a practice yeah. tool, but it, it's going to have the, you know, the, the same effect in, as you're saying, creating that sort of mindful connection with the movement yeah i think and that is another thing i would ask you do you do you think that's something that's kind of looking at the the two courses you mentioned there obviously you know you're more than you're overly qualified but you've you've gone down the sfg route uh the the strong first route and also um you're crossfit level two am i right in saying that yeah 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 and do you how do those um and kind of from what you're explaining where i can see your see your principles sit so nicely in the middle from from my point of view yeah how do you find that because strong first is notorious for as you say you have to demo kind of expert skill right with yeah. this one tool yeah whereas kettlebell not uh, whereas crossfit not so much when you're doing your crossfit level one or crossfit level two but as a as a sport and uh, you know, by extension, as a sort of training methodology, you've almost oh, yeah. got the uh, the opposite. Whereas, like like you're saying, you're just trying to get to the end of the journey. Get, get it done, yeah. Yeah. Um, do you do you think in your in your practice, do you think you've benefited from from both of them ideals? Do you oh, think one absolutely. carries over to the other? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, you know the if anyone's listening to this and they're, they're like, what's strong first? Cause I'm pretty sure everyone will know what CrossFit is, but what strong yeah. first is like, you know, if you are a fitness professional and you kind of looking for where you want to find your niche or you want to learn more, like it's amazing. Like the, I've done every single instructor course that they've done. So that, that gives me a rank of elite instructor. And I didn't do that to say I'm an elite instructor. I did it because the first one were like, is this is amazing when's the next one and I did those in a year I did the whole thing in a year like six or seven courses you know 1500 quid a pop or whatever just because they were amazing but I always take what people say and I'll be like I'm going to take it with a pinch of salt and these bits that you said were awesome but these bits like not so much and that came to me when 
but, but that's okay. It's all, it's all right to feel that way. I feel like sometimes we, we feel like we've got to buy into the whole thing or, or not at all. Um, and the stuff I learned on, on Strong First was like, you know, if you dial in on technique, you, you sort of hack strength. It's a hack of the body to dial in so with such laser focus that you you become stronger. Even in and and a lot of it is anecdotal, and that's okay. It is like you know, there's certain tricks when you're doing a kettlebell overhead press. There's certain tricks that you do with what we call the soft side, so the 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 side that's not working, and you can actually transfer a lot of the effort to the soft side to make the hard side, the working side, stronger. Um, in the moment so you can say to someone press this and they can't do it and then you go try it again but do x y and z and they suddenly become stronger you know that the nervous system hasn't improved it's just the, the they've improved the functioning in that moment of their nervous system and that that stuff was amazing but then we come to the snatch test which is the uh, the conditioning element of strong first and the CrossFitter, who I've been labelled as on the course, always the CrossFitter. He came on with Metcons on the day day one. We all we're all barefoot, and you're like <laughs> stupid for wearing those or whatever. It's like, oh, the CrossFitter did the snatch in three minutes thirty, and like we're all like on the floor dying. And he's like, okay, now now what we're doing, you know? So it's like you've got to sometimes take on board what people are saying. Like I really like when I watch you move you look amazing. But when we did that snatch test, you were struggling. And um, so like the, some of the stuff I learned from CrossFit about, you know, learning how to put yourself in a hole, building up capacity in that kind of dark place, like you could potentially benefit from a lot of that. Um, and I'm fine with that. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with, you know, I think um, on Joe Rogan, uh, Joe asks Pavel about uh, CrossFit and he sort of, if you, if you go on YouTube, he famously asks for like a break at that moment in the, in the, in the, um, in the interview. Cause you can tell he's kind of, he is like blood is boiling. He's, yeah. He wants to, a part of a principle of strong first is that you need to be a quiet professional and not deriding other people. And he, he needs to give himself a moment to kind of like, not just unleash hell on what he thinks about. Um, but I, I, I really like, you know, I'll take all that technique stuff. I'll take the, some of the stuff they do on, on how to build capacity and, and how to um, develop a, a resistance to, to lactic acid. That, that stuff is amazing, but you're not going to tell me to not do Fran or to whatever, you know. Andrew Tracy puts up uh, like a log. Is it Cindy? Cindy with a log. I won't have a go at that. You're not going to tell me like that's dangerous it's like it's not it's cool <laughs> i want to have a go um, right. and that's and kind of, that's fine that's kind yeah. of the other side of the dogmatic approach isn't it is the amount of kind of enjoyment you're precluding yourself from by not being able to try yeah. other stuff yeah yeah for sure yeah uh, do, do you, you, you know you you follow those guys on you follow those guys on Instagram, you know, some, you become part of a brotherhood when you do the strong first stuff and you, you know, you end up following all these people and they're kind of like, there's this minimalist thing, which I, you know, I know you like, you know, you kind of, you know, why, why make things overcomplicated and blah, blah, blah. But at some point it's like it become endurance to them. You know, how boring can I make yeah. it to show how committed I am? And it's like, okay, you know, 
I'm going to do a complex, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just like, that's cool and interesting. And it's, you know, I'm sick of doing, uh, you know, 10 swings on my right, 10 swings on my left, followed by 10 Turkish get-ups. Like I, I need to do something a bit different and that's all right. You don't have to turn it into endurance to, to prove how committed you are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you think that there's an element sometimes of, A, obviously tribalism and B, people can kind of hide behind their, hide behind their modality yeah. of choice, if that makes yeah, sense? Yeah, big time. You belong to the club, right? You, yeah. You go in, you belong to the club and, and then that's, you, you get that. Um, in this time, I've been reading a lot of the like self-help books and stuff and then um, I'm sure you will have read it, The um, Atomic Habits by James Clear. He kind of talks about, you know, our, our most base biological drivers haven't changed since we were cavemen. There's a, you know, like, let's procreate, feed me, keep me safe and belong into the tribe, you know, yeah. and, and that's it. You know, that's why Instagram, you put something up and if no one liked it, you would be upset. And it's not, it's not that thing that it's irritating you. It's the fact that what, you have a key, you know, ancient biolog biological driver that says i want to be belong to the tribe i want to be validated and, and you know those likes uh, tell me that i am um, and the, that that's massive you know it's massive in crossfit right um and it's okay but i think at some point you you, you reach a, a level of maturity or maybe it's just me, people like me and you who are kind of a bit re rebellious or lone wolf sometimes and be like you know i'd rather I'd rather create my own ethos based on what I've seen and done rather than just buy in wholeheartedly to yours. If that yeah. makes sense, because yeah, I can always 100%. add, I can always add and retract to my ethos, to my religion, but I can't add and retract to yours. You know, I can't tell Pavel what we need to take out of the strong first literature, but my literature in my head, <laughs> um, you know, I can, at any point i can just set fire to that i can burn the whole temple down and create a new religion if i want to like and that's all right um but i think some people never see past the, the this feeling of oh i i belong i'm part i'm part of the crew i got the black t-shirt yeah um, yeah very much so and i think even sometimes when things when principles and practices don't start to bear out in people's own experience they still hold on to it for a you know a very long time yeah. in which case dogma yeah. can become very toxic uh yeah yeah and I, I really like that i really like that the kind of the split route you discussed there and coming straight up the middle i know obviously there's there's way more to you and to your experience and to your training than uh, strong first and crossfit but i think having that strong first stuff in the bag so that for you as a coach when you're coaching yeah. someone through a Metcon that you, you have the, the depth of experience to be able to say, you know, squeeze your left hand, switch everything on, create that tension. Yeah. And that's going to, it's going to immediately affect someone's ability to do that. Metcon is huge. And it's not to say these coaching cues don't exist in CrossFit, but it, the, the more tools yeah. you can put yeah. in your toolbox, uh, the better. And on, on the other side, on the converse of that, you don't use, um, you know, kettlebells to you, although they might, you know, from my point of view, they might be your primary tool. They're not your personality. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing is that it's the, with the kettlebell, it's the best thing I have right now. <laughs> and if tomorrow you create something and you show it me and it's like this new thing, um, 
and we have a go at it and it's better, then I'll use that. And my kettlebells will gather dust. It doesn't need to be, you know, it doesn't need to be, like you say, I don't, I don't need to derive any of my, my identity from it. It's just a tool, pick it up, use it. Is it working for me? Yes. Boom. Keep it. You know, uh, it was good what you were saying a minute ago about getting caught up in a dogma. And I, I don't know if you had this journey as well, but I really had the journey of like, you know, 20, 20 years ago. What, what am I now? Yeah, e- even further. But like, you know, wanting to look like a guy in a magazine when you're sort of like 10, 11. How do I look like that? And it's like, okay, so it's the 90s, right, for us two. And it's like, oh, well, it's like, you know, bicep curls and lat pull downs and this and that. And, and, and you, you know, I went off and did all that. And I'm, I'm, I'm five foot six. And I, right now I'm, I'm 80 kilos. And I went all, off and did all that. And I became like 96, 97 kilos. And I had no neck. And my back was in pain all the time. And then my colleagues would be like, hey, we're doing a, we're doing a Spartan race. And the first thing I'm saying is, oh, well, it's not part of the program. Yeah. Um, but then you go and do it. And like you, I couldn't even hang off the monkey bars because I was so heavy. And I started to really get, like you say, a bit of like identity crisis of like, wait a minute, that, that kid who got into that, who wanted to be look like Arnie or whatever, is, I, I've become this like lump that has back pain all the time time and when it actually comes to doing something fitness like a a spartan race or whatever it was i can't even do it so it's like what am i getting from this and i had a real moment in my mid 20s where i'm like this is not working what am i gonna do now um and it was kind of like crossfit was around but it was like this weird you know it's just like that first couple of years in the uk we're not it was like really misunderstood and people were like, what's this weird cult? And it yeah. took me a while to kind of pick up on that and, and, and be like, okay, yeah, what I really want to be is fit as a fiddle and actually quite lean rather than just like this mass monster um, that looks good for like, you know, a week, a year when he's like starved himself. Um, so yeah, it's, it's that getting caught up in that dogma. You, you give yourself this, you know, anxiety or upset when, when it doesn't work out. Yeah. And I, I think there's this there's this idea that you kind of perpetuate in your head as well, that you're spending all of your time in the gym. So you're yeah. a strong, you're a strong yeah. guy, right? I'm a strong guy. Yeah. I'm a fit. I'm a fit guy. And all of these words, they don't actually necessarily mean the same thing. Um, yeah. And I had exactly I had exactly the same thing as you, uh, you know, I would do nothing but bodybuilding style training and somehow in my head and this is going back you know way 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 back yeah well somehow in my head that conflated to being fit well i i mean yeah. well, i mean i work yeah. in the gym but i'm training for an hour and a half every single day so i must be fit and then um i lost a running race to my younger brother like weird story yeah. but, and i was yeah and i realized that I, yeah. i'm about five minutes in i'm like i haven't run in a very long like how would i let myself get to the point where I was kidding myself that I was fit or I was strong or I was all of these things when actually I was probably just one of them or another of them. And that's the danger of dogma, isn't it really? Yeah. And that's the, that's a coming back to what we're talking about earlier. That's the great freedom I found in, in CrossFit as well is that, you know, when you do things like bodybuilding, you're chasing one metric, which is to look good. All right. And every other metric has to suffer. You know, you have to, you potentially have to feel quite bad. Uh, you have to, um, you know, 
not be able to win a run against your brother. Yeah. You have to, you know, feel sluggish going up the stairs. You have to spend a lot of money on food. And then suddenly it somehow makes you more insecure. You're doing it because you want to feel secure and look good. Um, but somehow you end up more insecure because you suddenly realize, because you chase this one metric, how, how much other stuff you're like suck at. And that's what I thought is a great freedom in CrossFit is to be like, so I suck at rowing, but I'll beat you on the butterfly pull-ups or whatever. You know, it's like you have your unique skill, your spider web, and you can just expand it and, and you're just spreading multiple things out. And, you know, so 19.1 is rowing and wall balls. I did crap, but it's like, that's okay. For, because it's, it's not that I'm unfit or bad or useless. It's just that that workout didn't play to my strengths. But then the next one did. And you don't have to get so hung up anymore in like this one metric that you're chasing and then all the other metrics that are suffering, um, which I found the, the one of the greatest things about CrossFit, I think. It suddenly takes the heartache out of realizing you're actually quite average at a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt, because across the board, you can, yeah. you can be good. And I think a lot of the time as well, we, we're talking like, very slim percentages so when someone like you says i'm you know i'm not great at this that's kind of within our community right that's kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. and you're yeah. still you know the the level of fitness that you're at we get sucked into this kind of echo chamber don't we or this bubble i'd say if we're surrounding ourselves with um you know we're surrounding ourselves with yeah Big fish. Exactly. Yeah. No, no, not even necessarily big fish, just everybody. And in particularly in CrossFit, when, as you say, there's such a, a variation of metrics to measure, then you're going to see the, the people who have got the six minute 2K row time. Yeah. But you spread that out across the whole world. And how many people are there with an eight minute 2K row time? It's not very many, yeah. really, is it? Yeah. And I can yeah. definitely see how. Um, kind of going back to what you were saying about getting insecure, it can kind of then push you even further down that path because you have to justify. You now need to be. Yeah. You now the, need the to commitment. Be, you sort yes. of. Yeah. You've got to. You're be in a process version. of not wanting to cut your losses, right? You kind of exactly. Uh, yeah. And that's where that's where I had that sort of three six months maybe where you're like, but I've come this far. I've committed yeah. this much. How can I still look this bad and be this unfit? Yeah. But like, look at how much I've done. Look at all this programming behind me. Like, mm -hmm. am I just going to let all that go? And at some point you're like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> like, I think that actually it. that circles back around really nicely to uh, what you were, how we were kind of talking about um, people who go down the path of one training methodology to the point where they have excluded every other one. It's because they're so invested in their one thing. Yeah they're then not willing to see how, you know, by using this other tool, I might actually be able to get more usage for myself than if I just yeah. stay dogmatic. And that's, that's what I really like about you is that, as I said before, clearly the kettlebell is your, is your tool, but it's, it's not your, it's not your personality. It's not your, um, uh, you know, you don't kind of hinge your entire life on the fact that you're a kettlebell guy. Yeah. And it, yeah. especially, I think we're seeing that, particularly now there are there's no reason to exclude anything because eventually you're going to come up against something that the tools in your toolbox can't fix 
and that's yeah. kind of what I really like about your your principles there of kind of it's like the old Bruce Leodage isn't it take what you know take what's useful disregard the the rest and I think we've kind of gone another step in saying you don't necessarily need to disregard it it just might not be of any use to you at the moment right now yeah uh, yeah which I think is great so in terms of your practices personally at the moment the kind of real nuts and bolts of your training your kind of daily workouts rituals uh, regime yeah. the things you implement and rely on to keep your tools sharp um could you just talk us through those a little bit yeah um i mean we're going back now to to um what we talked to a little bit about in, in in this sort of laser laser focus when it comes to technique and understanding that capacity or work capacity can be developed outside outside of your your actual training so i have for me i i'm a unlike you i'm i'm an endomorph i would say if that stuff still exists but i'm someone who tends to eat too much and my body wants to hold on to what i eat um so i do need that you know metcon or i feel like i need that metcon or that training most days five days a week or whatever so that's set and then aside from that like work capacity especially things like grip and uh, and ability to to move explosively is built as well in this kind of in, in this practice that is without that is mindful and is is um is outside of your actual training and, and it never comes to a point where it is training like exercise like where you're fully sweating you can't hold a conversation it, it never gets to that point and so say that and this is you know this is just anecdotal and i'll completely admit that it's anecdotal but what you've got to understand is that in my day-to-day -day job I, like you said earlier i teach group exercise and and i've done that for many years and what i started to realize after about four or five years is that my demos of exercises are fucking awesome but it's because i do them every day you know five days a week think about it um a hundred odd classes uh, a month um is a hundred practices with very small load in front of a big group of people um to make it look great because you've got to inspire them but also educate them on how you want the movement to look that that adds up and i started to realize actually that maybe i go into that a bit more um, and do that even more like bring it on and, and especially now that the lockdown is that the every day there is some practice which is not exercise the exercise is set that's in there right and then outside of that there's low load or even no load practice and 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 there is such benefits that to stay mindful to have laser focus towards it um but to never get to the point where it's becoming exercise because at that point you've missed the point yeah um so that's that's one thing that i really t taken up is like you know working with people like oh i can't dumbbell snatch or whatever i was like okay well when was the last time you filmed yourself doing a dumbbell snatch without the weight in slow motion like you know it's like I think dancers are great at this. They're great at watching someone and then kind of teaching themselves how to look great doing that thing, even though they're not 
you know, they're not a discus thrower, but they can watch a discus thrower over and over and over again. And they practice it and practice it and practice it. And then in the end, they actually fool you to thinking they're a discus thrower. And actually, like, if you make a movement look amazing, that's pretty close to actually, you've just been great at that movement now. Um, and I think that's really missed by people is that, is that, and I learned this more on, um, if you've ever seen anyone do, I've done the animal flow courses. Um, and they're, you know, it's, it's not a hundred percent my thing um, in terms of, I don't practice it. But what I got from it is how to practice, which is like, you know, you, you see the guys there, some of the guys on the, the course, Mike Fitch, who cre created it. It's like, you know, he, he demos something and the whole room goes quiet. There's this like hush. And he, he does, you know, a side kick through with a handstand in the middle and everyone's like, whoa. And it's like, I, I realized that if you want to build capacity, you actually have to practice these things outside of the time when you're officially building capacity. Um, and that time is never wasted. If you're really into this, you know, if you're yeah. kind of geeks like me and you are, then that, that time is never wasted. With that, so as a side to that is that, you know, making some, something look amazing is going to hinge on your ability to get into those positions, right? If you can't overhead squat, then, you know, chances are your barbell snatch is not going to look picture perfect no matter how much practice you do. Um, so for me, again, mobility, you know, mobility work or, or restorative yoga is a daily pursuit as well even just 20, 30 minutes to decompress at the end of the day is not wasted time because you're actually slowly over time going to access a bit more range and then your movement is going to look a bit better and then your practice of those movements is going to look a bit better and then lo and behold, you can do a wad and it costs you less energy because you're moving like a ninja. Yeah, I think that kind of, there's going to be, we're obviously we're massively into this and any we for us it's kind of a joy a journey of exploration right so we are experimenting how does yeah. x x affect y and i think for kind of joe public for a lot of people there's the idea that this this is all too much right so this is all too yeah, much yeah. time whereas would you kind of see it as you're actually giving yourself better ingredients to work with in the long run. So the, yeah. the, the purposeful practice you're doing there, and I really like that, that dancer analogy. That's kind of how I was thinking about it earlier, that moving around without a partner or without weights in this case. Do you think taking the time to foster that sort of precise uh, motor control and just knowing these movements, even with your eyes closed in the dark with no implements, do you think that the carryover to your everyday training, your regular training is then, you know, to such a point that it completely makes this, this worth it. Like the payoff is, is, well, uh, I, you know, it, that, that, that all balances hinges on, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, mm -hmm. right? If, if someone, you know, if exercise is a chore and it is a burden to you, then improving your, fran time it is neither here nor there you just want to do the thing to get the reward of oh i felt like i exercised today um but if it, if you are someone who is 
but those people as well, it's doomed to failure, right? Because yeah. if it is a chore, then, you know, you avoid chores. It's in our nature to avoid those things. Whereas I think more, a good thing I noticed with Strong First is I can watch someone doing kettlebell swings now and I can kind of tell you within two or three reps, probably within the setup, if that person has knows anything about Strong First. Um, and that to me is like, well, it's pretty cool, but also it, it shows how important that stuff is to the, to those type of people. No one does the course, right? No one does the course and then doesn't start implementing it. There's no one who like used to be a strong first right. trainer. It's kind of like you do it and you're like, even if you don't like myself, you only take bits of it. You kind of, you will always do swings that way now because you've kind of gone through this like trial by fire and your technique has just improved so much in, in that time. And so and I think that has a great merit, you know, because if we're going to, you might as well do what you're going to do in the time you have to the best of your ability. Otherwise you might as well just play Xbox. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just like take it easy. If, if you, if you're not, in it then just don't be in it don't there's no point in being half in something um, and i think there's a lot of that you know people's focus is their job or whatever and they just exercises the hour that they have to plug in each day and and, and hopefully that then they will live a bit longer but if you don't identify and you don't believe in the journey that you're on then you are just going to kind of it's just going to be futile in the end and i think our industry is maybe guilty of maybe leading people to believe that it is like a vending machine. You come yeah. in, you put your 50p in, you get your can of Coke, or you come in, you pay your trainer 50 quid, you do your session, and in three years, you'll be healthy or whatever. It's like, no, you actually, you actually have to be invested in this yourself as well. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, there are, there are people for whom they're just looking to kind of withdraw the, the kind of minimal effective dose and get this, the kind of physiological response that you can get from, um, you know, just seven minutes of anything intense every day. <laughs> but I, th I think a lot of those people do end up leveling up. And then they kind of get caught yeah. floundering in that yeah. kind of area you're saying about there where you're, you're still stuck in the, the belief that it's as easy as you just pop in your, you know, pop your money in a vending machine and out it comes. But at the same time, they want to take it further. And I would, from listening to you speak there, kind of how I'm rationalizing it in my head is those are the people that get caught up doing sets and sets and sets of junk volume. Yeah. Um, because they they're not invested in a process yet but they have kind of seen what you can get out of it and they fall into the well i'm just going to do more more is better or yeah. more intense or and i can see how the way i'm seeing it in my head is this kind of purposeful practice outside of your exercise that you're talking about eventually is going to lead to a a lack of or that there's no longer going to be the necessity for that junk volume. Does that, does that sound right? Yeah. 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 If you're absolutely yeah. nailing every rep, suddenly, um, you know, Fran is a much more effective workout. If you're getting more yeah. than 45, you get 90 perfect reps in yeah. four minutes rather than maybe 20 good ones and yeah. the rest. Uh, so I definitely think 
as much as to some people it might seem like they want to roll all of their all of their practice into like one nice little neat package and call it an hour of training i don't actually think what you're suggesting is even that time consuming anyway is it really i mean if you were to talk no. through a day no. of a day of practice yeah. for you now yeah um it's 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 10 minutes here it's 15 minutes there it's five minutes somewhere else it's not you know you don't like like i said with the grease the groove thing that can that can be a bit more regimented if you want it to be it can be unregimented as well um but again that's not very time consuming if you don't want it to be you've got a pull-up bar nearby if you're doing it for pull-ups or whatever um but this is you know twice three times a day five minutes it's suddenly over the course of a year that's gonna that's gonna add up and no one's gonna you're not gonna notice that you know, think of the hours we scroll on Instagram. Think of the hours we lose uh, staring at laptops. You, you know, it, it's it's very tiny in comparison to that, but it does it does add up in the end. Yeah, I would even argue, like outside of time, you know, wasted time on social media and whatnot. I would kind of argue that the principles and practices you're talking about there, the person who's doing a sixty minute incline walk every day on the treadmill or even yeah, you know okay, even yeah. just like some yeah. real trash trash volume training then they are they could make up that you know they could split up that time and spread it just as yeah. well with what you're suggesting and then i would say you know if you're looking at 20 minutes of practice 20 minutes of metcon and then 20 minutes of restorative measures you're still yeah. only you're still only out at kind of an hour a day would you kind of yeah. agree with that but yeah I, yeah, yeah. I think it's that practice that you do that enables you to get that good quality work in over that 20 minutes. Yeah. Because, um, you know, 20 minutes of, it's something we're seeing a lot of now, 20 minutes of kind of dancing around is not going to be as effective as someone who has kind of honed their craft. Would you agree? And yeah. it can, can yeah, move yeah. very well. And it doesn't necessarily have to mean, doing very specific animal flow drills and, and whatnot, but someone who's good at a burpee is going to get more out of those burpees, right? Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. I really like that. Right. I've got some quick fire questions for you here, mate. Cool. Yeah. If you could make one book or piece of media compulsory reading or watching for either people new to the industry training or indeed everybody, what would yeah. it be? And for what reasons? Um, so I, I thought I would pay homage a bit to Pavel and, and Strong First in that um, at, at the moment I'm getting so many people in my DMs because everyone's on, on, on uh, everyone's in lockdown and you know people are finding me on, on Instagram and they wanting to know how, how do I get like you? How do I do this? How do I do that? Um, for me, Simple and Sinister, which is a book by Pavel, I would just be like, my default answer to people is get this book, all right? Probably you need these weight bells and then, you know, once you can do that, come back to me and you'll like unlock the next level. Um, and it's a great, for me, it's, um, you know, it's a small book. You can read it in a day if you, if you want to. It's contained in it is a program that just builds a baseline capacity for kettlebells and strength, if that's what you want to do. All right. So most people who contact me, that's kind of what they're alluding to when they ask, oh, how do I get to your level? It's like, okay, this contained within this book, just read that. You need these bells, go do it, 
come back to me if you do that every day what's you know maximum five days a week or whatever and it will just build that work capacity so i would say yeah simple and sinister by pavel wicked and i think for those people we were talking about kind of just a minute ago who just want to plug in and get their minimal effective dose yeah. of yeah. simple and sinister it's probably something that the average joe is never going to come across but it is potentially yeah. if we lived in some kind of 1984 orwellian world where everyone turned on the tv and had to train in front of it every morning yeah. to get their daily dose simple and sinister i mean i could imagine pavel actually giving that chat on the table. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that would yeah. that would be it right definitely simple and sinister love that if you could go back in time and speak to yourself in the first year or a few years of your kind of training yeah. or your career as a trainer, what advice would you have for yourself? I would say, I would say to myself that when you get paid, Luke, your first outgoing for the first five years is further education. I think that is what, and I found that a little bit later than the first few years, but I wish it would have been, I wish it would have been uh, straight away. Cause you kind of, you know, you invest your money and you do the PT course. That's quite expensive. Then you come out and I did a few courses with premier, like literally in the week after and a few, few months after, but then you feel like, Oh, I'm, I'm PT. You know, I've got a PT job. Here we go. Um, but with courses, and especially if you find stuff that you like, don't force yourself to go on things you don't like. Find stuff you like, and that'll lead you down a rabbit hole of learning. Of you'll find more stuff. You know, I, you know, I found kettlebells through Premier because I didn't know what they were, and then I found Strong First from finding kettlebells, and you go on these rabbit holes. And um, but with courses and and good courses that you want to go on, you can literally buy gravitas. Like you can buy gravitas in the industry and because so many people in the industry aren't doing it or don't want to do it or, you know, they kind of want to do it, but they want to go to Ibiza this summer. So they don't want to spend the money, you know? And it's like, if you want to be like really good, I think in the first few years of the industry, I thought, Oh, I'm never going to be really good until I've got loads of experience. Uh, I wish, and because I went to university and I did I did philosophy, so I kind of started to feel like, oh, I should, you know, if I really wanted to be the best trainer, I should have done, uh, you know, I should have done it at uni. I should have done sports science at uni, and da da da. And it's like, but actually, you get a few years in, you know, I got five six years in, and I was like, okay, now I need to start doing more courses again. And that just led to lots of rabbit holes, lots of learning, lots of courses. And I suddenly start to realize a few years later that people were kind of like turning to me and being like, what do you think? Like suddenly I had like this like sort of Yoda type persona that I'd never, I'd never, uh, want, never thought to go and get. I just wanted to feel less insecure about my service. Or I wanted to feel like I always know what I'm going on about. Um, and you suddenly realize that actually past doing the pt course a lot of the industry are then like yeah i'm good now i spent my money now i just want to make money and that's it um but if you're really in it for the long haul as I, as i was then and that's what i would say to myself is like every time you get paid now your first investment you know pay bills and your first investment is education and within a very small amount of time you would have surpassed 90 percent of the industry in terms of what you know um yeah that's what yeah. I say. Right. Cause that, that kind of le reps level three, um, 
before you do it it's kind of the pinnacle isn't it but then you realize it's a very low barrier it's very low bar to entry and it's it should be treated as just a jumping off point and like you say people get into the idea that they what they need to do is get experience which obviously you 100 do but if your experience is 30 hour 20 hours of pt every single week doing delivering the same service and never learning anything new suddenly in 10 years time the guy who's just come off of this premier course is as good a trainer as you yeah Obviously, you've yeah learned the empathy. you're both you're, yeah you're both just a guy in a t-shirt yeah like people don't know you're both just a guy in a t-shirt and that's it yeah. um with the word trainer written on your back um so yeah it's just a, the the ex, the experience will come you don't have to get upset or insecure that you don't have experience because i don't know about you but i definitely felt in the first few years that i was like bluffing it a little bit you know yeah, like, that, that like syndrome yeah, yeah um but it was like that's totally it's totally cool to be in that position if you're doing something about it every single yeah. month you know it's a minute that you stop doing something about it and start thinking you know it all um because you did your level three or whatever is that you know it's a the dunning kruger effect right yeah um yeah yeah that's yeah. what I would do. That's what I'd say. Hundred percent. And I would say for any any like PTs that are listening from personal experience, the other thing that continued uh, education does is it, it buys you momentum, and you do everything you're investing. Yeah. You're investing in yourself. You're spending time around coaches, and you feel like you are whether whether it's making absolutely no financial difference other than costing you loads of money you yeah. you're very aware that you're investing in yourself and you're creating momentum and you're you're elevating yourself and that's not kind of it's an just egotistical a, yeah. thing just it's just a really noble pursuit i think mm. you know and and when what what's great now is when, when i when i teach you know i have say 20 or maybe less but i'll teach kettlebells and you know i i look really slick doing it and i can cue someone from there and i can coach someone here and blah, blah, blah. But none of it is you, you know. None of it is really unique thoughts that have come from me. It's just going on courses and someone going, "Oh, you know, we normally say pack the lats when we do this, or we say, imagine you've got lemons under your armpits, make lemonade." And you just suddenly, you you after a few years, you have all these coaching cues and all these little um, techniques that then add up to people being like, "Oh, this guy really knows what he's on about." It's like, no, I'm just a summation of lots of other people lots of amazing people's knowledge you know um and you can buy that like it's almost like you want to say that's gold dust and you can't buy that but actually you can buy that you just go on a lot of courses you keep your eyes and ears open and every time someone says something cool that you know will work you go i'm keeping that you know i'm putting that feather in my cap right now and i'm you know pass it off as my own yeah and then the other thing that spending a lot of time on courses and seminars and things like that is your the amount of time you're spending around other coaches where you pick up those cues and things yeah. like that and like you say you become a summation but then it's so rewarding when you can when you come up against not come up against but you have a you have a client or something like that with a possibly unique problem and something you've seen somewhere else or you yeah. a party to solves that problem you are your worth as a trainer then has you know has grown massively yeah. because there's another problem you can fix so yeah that that's brilliant i would completely concur name one item that you've purchased or acquired relatively inexpensively that has given you a huge return on investment whether that's something 
that's usually benefited your training or nutrition, productivity in business, yeah. contentment yeah. in relationships, or even just your everyday happiness. Cool. So I know, I know you said earlier, I'm not the kettlebell guy. <laughs> but I thought I've got to, I've got to say kettlebell. Like I've just got to. Um, so like there's a famous strength coach called Dan John. And he says, you know, with this, with this kettlebell and my bedroom, I can prepare for the nationals. And I, I fully believe that. And like we've been speaking about, if you invent something tomorrow and I see the merits of it as more than, than a kettlebell, then I will take that up. But right now, for me, especially in the time we're in right now, um, it is, it's everything you need right there. It's as, it's as close to everything you need in one thing as you're going to get right now, I think. You know, but, you know, barbell, yes, but then you're thinking about loading. You know, you're thinking, do I need a bench? Do I need a rack? Do I need the, the suddenly an offshoot of stuff? But a 24 kilo kettlebell, you know, I honestly believe that the, for a male anyway, it is it just opens up more options than any other thing and that's what and that's why as a pragmatist i think that is the i have i have very little at my home actually i have uh, two 24 kilos um and two 12 well girlfriend's 12s and that's it but i have you know billions of of ways i can use that you know, and I think that's really invaluable. Right. Yeah. And the, I think um, literally because maybe they're maybe they're because they're not well, they're not a new at all, but uh, maybe because the dumbbell is more traditionally seen as the, yeah. the sort of icon of the dumbbell and barbell, the, the icon of strength that people kind of have a can have a knee jerk reaction and kind of see the, the thing we've discussed all the way through here is that the kettlebell is just a tool and I think a lot of people then think that if you're gonna say just get a kettlebell you're it's because you're a kettlebell guy but as two people who are actually fairly neutral and as you say pragmatic yeah. objectively it's still a better tool I think it's yeah, uh, for, for me yeah for me it comes down to you know in, in strong first we have this distinction between the ballistics and the grinds right so yeah. Grinding movements, things like uh, overhead press, you know, they, they generally happen slower because we're trying to work with uh, closer to maximum weight. A Turkish get up, a squat is a grind, a deadlift would be a grind. But we have the ballistics. And yes, you can do ballistics with dumbbells, but it's just not quite the same. So suddenly when you open yourself up to ballistics, which is sub-maximal sub forces moved at high velocities, that just opens up new opportunities. So the kettlebell swing, the kettlebell snatch, um, the kettlebell clean, ballistic movements, so high velocity movements. So as what happens there when you're doing the ballistics is it becomes about the velocity rather than the weight. Yeah. So although dumbbells are amazing, at some point it does become about, I need 2.5 kilos heavier than this now. Yeah, that's Whereas with a yeah. A 24 kilo kettlebell you can still be training with that 10 years yeah. down the line right because of that, that ballistics because of that force production yeah. you're creating weight from nothing which is very difficult to do yeah. with with a dumbbell right 100 yeah. uh, i don't i think we're uh we're trying to oversell it but i think anyone that anyone <laughs> that knows knows don't they and it's just such yeah. a if nothing else you've got yourself an expensive doorstop 
that one added. Yeah. And everyone who's got that expensive doorstop right now is, is yeah well ahead of everyone themselves. else, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. I and that, but that's the thing as well, mate. As soon as the gyms open up again, you know, we'll be on air bikes, we'll be on ski eggs, we'll be on, uh, you know, we'll be in the the rack, we'll be in the doing our deadlifts or whatever. Um, but like I said, that if we're cu- if we're cutting down to one thing, then for me, this is the best thing that comes as a singular thing, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I think I know, I think I've got an idea of what some of the answers might be for this, but um, if you could perform only one exercise or movement oh, for the rest okay. of your life, what would it be? And feel yeah. free to take liberties here. Yeah. So I, I th- it comes down to two, and I, I know you'll, you'll know one at least. So, it comes down to two, and I, I don't know which, and I'll just make a case for both. So the first one is a burpee. All right, the body weight burpee. I just think, I know it. I know it's had bad press, and I, <laughs> I, I, I like. I agree. You, you know, I'll listen to whoever Ben Bruner or the like million weird nerds who follow him, and then think that like it's an original thought they've had when it isn't. It's his. Um, like. I get it. Like I get it. And I get that you can go on the internet and you can find pictures of people doing horrific burpees. But if you go on Jim Fuckery, you can, you can find people doing horrific things with landmines or uh, with barbells or, or whatever. Um, but for me, this is a, it, it's just the, almost the ultimate movement that this as a human, how many times must have our, our ancestors needed to get down onto the floor and get up to the floor and and I, I spent a very short time in the in the army well the territorial army three years and anyone who's been in the army knows how often that once you're out in the field how often you have to get on the floor get back up get on the floor get back up and the idea for me of saying to people oh you shouldn't be doing that that's dangerous it's like and you know american football exists uh, but we're saying like getting learning how to get up and down off the floor and maybe eliciting a bit of a conditioning response from that is dangerous it's just it's just like nuts um i think you know i'm completely biased as well two things that make me biased towards a burpee is one i'm really short so i'm really good at them i'm closer to the ground right and it's easier to get back up and then the other one is like i said earlier I'm, i classify myself as you know, an endomorph who's trying to stay lean. So some, it was always going to be a conditioning movement that I would choose rather than a, you know, a, a, a grind, a, you know, a strength movement. So that's the first one. And then the other one is the kettlebell snatch. So uh, as Pavel would say, the kettlebell snatch is the czar of kettlebell movement. So it's the king. Um, the, as I mentioned before, the strong first doing the doing the snatch test and 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 what that means to to getting your certification and and how that feels to do not because it's essentially it's a little bit like a CrossFit wad. It's like a fran, you know. You kind of you, you go up and then you just red line and then you finish or you don't finish. Um, and what that means in the moment to do that in front of your your other instructors and and how that feels, but also what it means for your grip, what it means for your shoulder strength, what it means for um, your hips, learning to control uh, an object, move an object at velocity, what that has, the, the ramifications that has for longevity as well. It, you, you know, uh, Pavel's uh, most 
recent book, The Quick and the Dead, really explores this idea that if you want to kind of stave off old age, you need to be training quick lifts or you need to be training heavy. And the, and the kettlebell snatch is, the, is kind of the king of the quick, the quick lifts. Um, it, has enough tech, it has enough technicality to it as well to bring some enjoyment. So, so it's, on that, it's on that cusp of grunt work and not really grunt work because it has this technical element to it that I really love. Um, like I said, that you can always be improving on that. Um, so yeah, I would say either the, the, the chest of floor burpee or the, um, the kettlebell snatch. Interesting. I think that there are two movements that work lich everything from ground to overhead. Right. And I think it's, yeah. that's a full range of motion. And that's if there, if there was a movement, not necessarily in an exercise setting, but in, in all life, if there was a movement I didn't want to lose, it would be the ability to get up off the floor, which is why I cannot understand yeah. people. That I can understand detractors of doing thousands of burpees, but anyone who's in a position to hurt themselves doing thousands of burpees cannot do thousands of burpees. It's yeah. just one of things right where they're self-limiting right yeah. and it's the same as the same as the snatch right they're exactly the same thing in order to, it's such a once you've learned to do it properly although you, you know you can kind of grunt your way through through a more so a dumbbell snatch but with the kettlebell snatch any any way that you're going to kind of come unstuck and injure yourself it's very unlikely that someone would have built the work capacity up necessary yeah. to do that without also honing the you know the the yeah, adaptations exactly. that are going to protect them and i think that's what training is right and uh, yeah. like you say in a world where american football exists and as far as i'm concerned the minute you pick a barbell up and put it over your head you're in danger right yeah and if you're going to be doing that then what movement really is is dangerous yeah. and it's another one of those things i think we touched on it before of it's very easy to hide behind your your particular dogmas and methodologies and i would maybe argue that some of that is going on with the with the kind of burpee haters yeah when you, when you look at the stuff they do do um yeah you know maybe well you know i think in, in these times like, like i said is you, you know someone someone like uh, ben bruno i i you know i really rate the stuff he puts up and yeah, you know the, the the creativity he has and, and the, the knowledge he has and the but it's like, sometimes it's a little bit like, yeah, but not everyone's got a skier going to reverse a climber in their garage band. Like, you know, yeah. like some of us have got to make do with, with very little, um, especially right now. Um, and I think where, where it does get a bit annoying is that people take him out of context he you know he says that and it's a bit of a lark to him yeah whereas those people then you know it's like becomes a bit more of a religion to, to yeah. them um and they become the kind of like they become the enforcers of it and it's like that that's nuts but what's really important there is if a global pandemic strikes and no one has access to equipment you can't then just like about face and start posting you know this type of the stuff you've been deriding for a long time That's, you know? yeah 100 100 there's, there's a lot of um body weight kind of hip bridges to get that conditioning effect isn't there of just yeah. of just getting up off the floor like you did when you got out of bed yeah. this morning <laughs> um, yeah. yeah no i think those are those are two fantastic movements i think cool there is enough you could do with them potentially to last you a lifetime right especially if you're one of yeah. these people who is looking to minimize it so that you can kind of maximize other areas of your life 
you've got two things yeah. there they're going to keep you incredibly fit and don't take much thinking really do they you get yeah. it once you, once you get them right uh luke this has been fantastic thank you very much um hugely appreciate you coming on uh, would you mind telling cool, people where they can find you Oh, so my Instagram handle is at Luke Baden. So very much appreciate a follow on social on there. Um, again, any advice you need, just ping us a DM. I do try and work my way through the, the requests and stuff. Uh, but I'll probably just tell you to get simple and sinister and <laughs> a certain number of kettlebells, but you never know. Yeah, and I would also say um, Luke's IG is an absolute goldmine of, if you were just to do a one quick thumb scroll up to get yourself back, uh, you know, a month or so and just start working your way through those videos, you're going to have kind of expert coaching and some, uh, some extremely spicy workouts to work your way through. So the value there is absolutely unparalleled. So uh, Luke Madden and give that a follow. It's B-A-D-E-N. Okay, mate. Well, thank you very much for coming cool. on today and um, awesome. hope some people, well, I hope a lot of people find their way to you and uh, start implementing this stuff themselves. Awesome. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Andrew. Cheers, fellas. Okay. Well, always a pleasure to chat to Luke. Thank you again. I hope you enjoyed that session. I know I took a lot away from it. You can find us on Instagram at ludus.gram or you can search for Ludus on YouTube. Anywhere you're listening right now, please feel free to like and subscribe. If you follow the links in the description or follow through on social media, you'll be able to find the companion guide for this session to pour over in your own time with links to many of the things we discussed today and, of course, a powerful 30-day kettlebell and bodyweight guide. Um, so until next time, guys, stay physical. I'll see you soon.